Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 4, All Is Possible. Is it? You can't prove all is not possible. You're right, you can't prove a negative. Well, but you can't prove that all is not possible, because something is. <laughs> yes, that's true too. So, the inverse has to be true, is that... Is that a logical argument? Um, no. Oh, okay. Well, because if all were possible, then that means anything I can think of or dream of, we could eventually do it. I believe this is to be true. I believe that all is possible. Okay. It's it's further my belief that yes, I do agree that some of discovery looks like magic. I also believe, well, at least a quarter, a corner of my head and heart together, uh, believes that the realm of fantasy comes post-apocalyptic as opposed to pre-civilization that i think that we intertwined ourselves into the world so much with technology that we could do things that appear like magic you know a snap of your hands does this okay you know a wave of your wand does that you know and it was self-replicating and self-making you know so we've just eventually lost the knowledge that it was technology oh okay so when we outlawed the magic people and put them all to death and now we, we don't even realize that we're seeing their technology all around us because we've hidden it from ourselves because it was critical magic theory that we weren't they weren't allowed to teach critical magic theory in the uh in the schools anymore so we've lost oh, okay. the entire history of you know magic yeah well you know i mean the church got too powerful or, or that perhaps <laughs> welcome to uh our show everyone yeah we're gonna we're gonna do a show today i think instead of just discussing random non sequiturs of life my name is jack Dorino, and i am earl gray and this is let's talk about treks yes which treks are we talking about not to put too fine a point on it but we're talking about star trek discovery season four episode four which mm-hmm. is entitled all things are possible no that's not the title it's called all is possible yes and i'm going to admit that i don't know why except for referencing a line in the in the episode i don't know why else it would be called that usually a title that's referenced in the episode has a lot more weight poignancy than that. Maybe we'll we'll figure it out during our conversation today. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I have a question. You have you a question, please. I have an answer. I don't know if it's gonna be a correct answer, but I do have an answer. I guarantee you. How many digits were in a twenty-fourth century starting? There's any number of digits past the decimal point. Okay. By which I mean to the right of it. The left of it. In the twenty-fourth century, oh. yeah, to the left, the whole numbers there were five digits all right that makes more sense now because it just didn't seem like i i was going from four or five to eight and i'm like wait that's not very much but you're right we're in eight hundred and sixty-five thousand versus uh 40 i'm sorry was there a star date reference and i missed it Yes, there is. Oh, right. wow. Please tell me. I, I don't know how I missed that because that should have been fascinating. Was it during the log? Yeah, it was actually. Okay. Right at one minute, the start date is 865661.2. Wow. Thank you for that. I That's 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 a that's a great catch. I don't know how I missed it because I should have been keen to, to note it. And so well, I could start determining how the new start date system works. Yeah. Because they've either revamped it or... I don't know. So, like, four would, would have been the 24th century. Yeah. Except near the end of Voyager when they started running out of numbers and they changed it to five. No, no, They didn't run out of numbers. The decade passed. No, it didn't. Oh, the decade. It did. The, the, it would, remember, millennium happened. The century passed. Millennium in, no, in no, Voyager. No, not by the end of Voyager. Huh? Because. Oh, this is true because it, it happens. Does it happen? Because uh, Lower Decks is still in the 24th century. It hasn't even happened in Picard yet, has it? Uh, they're not in the 25s is what i'm getting at they're like 2389 ish i mean they're not in the 24s yet they're in the yes that's correct yes yeah. they're in the 2390s right for some reason it, it, my in my memory i really realized now that it doesn't make any sense but for some reason in my memory i have a century change happening in star trek around the same time the century change happened irl Maybe in uh, in Star Trek Online? No idea. I don't think I've played it enough. Oh, okay. I, 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 Star Trek Online kind of annoys me as a game. I would far prefer something more along the lines of like a, an, a first-person shooter type thing, like a walk-around sandbox type thing. Oh, okay. You know, and like in that sandbox, like you could actually like 
go to the other part like go to the other lobby which would be like in space as a starship you know like you go, you know what i'm saying like you can convert from being a guy running around on a planet and then just beam up to your ship and then you'd be the ship flying around oh. i think you can do that in the star trek online but it sucks oh. <laughs> like that's the thing i like klingon defense force sure i like that i like elite force that was good um i haven't played elite force elite force 2 was also good it was much like half-life deathmatch oh okay which i played a lot i Uh, never played those either even something like grand theft auto would be Uh cool but just the i don't know i think it's their engine i don't think i like the engine you walk up to a starship and get inside and then fly away and steal it well no you, you can't but wouldn't that be neat if you could like hop in a shuttle and fly off like, what if you had, like, a whole, the whole, like, Starfleet just, like, universe, uh-huh. like, there, and you could, like, start on a star base and go down to the, sh- find your way to the shuttle bay, go get a shuttle, fly down to a planet, go somewhere, you know, <laughs> find a bigger ship, go to another planet, you know, meet some people, get some bigger ships, you know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, along the same lines of you missing the star date, I missed the uh, recap, and it was kind of short. Okay. But then that's what led me to, we were discussing earlier, that I was calling this a box episode. What is it? What do you mean by that? Like a bottle episode? No. Like a ship and everything happened? No. No. What I mean by that is it's like an episodic episode where it's stand, it, it can stand alone, but, it, but instead of an episodic episode that does stand alone, there is still kind of continuity, but it does kind of stand alone. So you could fit it nice and neatly in a box and put it on the shelf with the rest of your episodes. And this episode you could pull down as a representation to a non-Trekkie. This is a good starting point. So it's like a flagship episode. Yeah, but it's self-contained in its own little box. And I thought instead of the recap, they were trying something new and just doing a start date. Oh, I see what you're saying. The presentation, yeah. It's like when when a comic book opens. You know, Star Trek comic book usually opens the same way that often episodes of Star Trek used to open. Yeah. Back in back in the uh, what's what's our age? Was our age the Golden Age, Silver Age? Because we're in the third age of Star Trek, right? Because there was like the, the late sixties, right? And then there was the late eighties, early nineties. I would include Kelvin with now, or is it? I guess it is its own separate thing. So it's yet another age. Yeah, it would. It's be- like the Amalgam Age. Where sure. Star Trek and Star Wars came together for a second and created the Amalgam <laughs> universe. So then, was this time between the Next Generation and the original series was that was that a dark age? That's the time that like the fandom really took off and like everybody was being creative and like we it was that was like the uh, the snowball age, <laughs> where like it's a fandom snowball age. The snowball effect and everything's growing and getting bigger. Yeah, because by the time Star Trek The Next Generation came out, people wanted to see Star Trek The Next Generation. They'd already received their movie back in 1979. So they kind of had a little bit going on, and there was always a rumor on the back burner about Star Trek Phase 2. Breath of Khan was, like, not long after 79, was it? The whales were, like, 84-ish. That was that was Star Trek 4. Somewhere in between there would have been the original Star Trek 3, not the reboot Star Trek 3. I do like Beyond, though. I haven't seen any of the uh jj verse movies in a long time i don't remember the differences between beyond and the second one they had very similar things happening in them okay specifically the destruction of the enterprise you just couldn't let that one go just kept doing it what's good to see is a starship that's intact like the starship discovery was as we, we open into this episode it was a beautiful crossover from seeing the exterior of the ship and then zooming in on the exterior of the ship and then as we're moving along we see the ceiling and then we can pan down into the milieu as it were it was a sort of ship, ship to corridor flippy dip you know okay tilly has a snow globe and i can't tell if it's the uss discovery or the nx01 i think it's the nx01 that's that's what i kind of wanted it to be because then i'm like oh i want that (laughs) i want to briefly point out that right after we pulled into the corridor you know at the beginning very beginning scene we went into the hallway we settled on a couple people there was like lieutenant christopher and another officer futzing around with some hologram right okay and the one standing to his right, which was our left, like filling the whole left of the screen, was Hannah Cheeseman, Lieutenant Arium, the next generation. 
Because remember, she was first played by... Oh, oh, okay. We see her pop back up. So they didn't just ditch her after they killed Ariad. They have her in scenes wearing a Starfleet uniform without the Ariad makeup. One thing I didn't understand is if she says in her log that this has only been a week, how has the negotiations on Navarre been four months? Have Did they pause the negotiations to go and have the meeting about the anomaly? This negotiation with Navarre has been going on far longer than the Dark Matter anomaly thing. It's been going on since last season. They we Remember, we kind of assumed that Navarre was going to you know, become part of the Federation. But yeah, they've been working on that for a while. So in the scene where Tilly and Dr. Culper were talking, there, there's a panel with several rectangles that are carved into the wall, and some of them, they're reflecting. Uh-huh. I only really ever remember seeing those in the ready room. Okay. Are they using the ready room as Culper's therapy office? No, I think it's a... Or is it just a theme that they, the decorators, the architects, just decorated the wall with those rectangles and various... It's standard Starfleet Nouveau furnishing for this era. Oh, okay. You know, lounge slash office areas... You know, yeah. negotiation areas, captains, observation lounges and ready rooms, okay. counselors' offices and chief medical officers' offices. Okay. Very, very similar. You know, chief chief operations officers, too. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about Gray attempting to prove that you can't keep a bad or good hairstyle down. Bravely going where no trail has gone before. Oh, is that a mullet? In a mullet, yeah. It never occurred to me for some reason that it was a mullet. It's definitely a mullet. It certainly is. I don't know why <laughs> the thought of... I was just like, what is this hair? I was actually more focused on it in... Is this like skirts with pants? Are you wearing a skirt well, with pants? That, is that, that what's happening? kind of like that too. Yeah, I noticed the outfit. Damn. But Gray is not yet a Starfleet officer again, though. Gray was never a Starfleet officer. Oh, that's right. They were an yeah. officer in the Earth Corps or whatever it was called. Wait, we're getting people confused. That's Adira. Well, what was what was Gray on the generation ship? Gray was just a kid that lived on the generation ship. Oh, okay. As far as I know. Okay. Why were there why was it a human and a trill on a generation ship? Where were they going? They haven't discussed that yet. Huh. But is Adira a trill human hybrid? No, Adira is a human. We've scanned Adira, like when we met Adira and Yeah, well she or they are a human, but uh-huh. since they have the trill symbiont in them, does that make them? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but th- this symbiont is very different. The symbiont mm-hmm. has adapted itself to this body, and it is enormous. I don't know how that symbiont's ever going to come out and go into anybody else because it's like extended itself across her entire like body. It's done like a whole vogue with her. Uh huh. It's like a uh, people who get pet alligators and the pet store owner says oh it'll never get bigger than its aquarium well what they did is they they sliced uh, adira open and they crunched down her bones and they stuck another person inside of her and they crushed their bones down and they sewed it all together i think you're confusing adira with um oh tyler tyler Voke. yeah vocaler or did we go with tyvok i don't know i forget which one we did vocaler tyvok so if starfleet academy has only recently restarted since the burn is Adira's rank taking into consideration her experience on Earth? Their experience on Earth? Adira was in the Earth Defense Force. Are we assuming that Earth is a part of the Federation at present? Because it seems to me that Starfleet is Starfleet Academy is going to be at the Federation headquarters. The Federation headquarters is wherever we are in the middle of space. So if it's not going to be on Earth, then we can't necessarily assume that Earth has come back to the Federation. But, th- I mean, that kind of goes back to my question. How is Adira an ensign in Starfleet? Are they taking into consideration oh, her... They, yeah, they've taken into consideration her time, yeah. Yeah, her service okay. aboard. And the fact that Starfleet is like a brand new thing, sort of. So, like, if we're looking for qualified officers, you are a qualified officer, as long as you follow these rules. So sh- they're not an acting ensign, then? No, it's my belief that they're an ensign. At some point, Adira was given a commission. I do remember this. Okay. One of the things I also couldn't figure out is why didn't the sensors detect this rogue gamma ray burst? They did detect it, but it's a gamma ray. So, like, as soon as you detect it, it could be upon you. It, it didn't detect it until it, they slammed into it. Sure. Why didn't it detect it before they slammed into it? Because it was hiding. It's a rogue. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> but that's the best thing I can think of. I mean, it's a rogue gamma ray burst. That would mean it like, <laughs> came out of nowhere and was unexpected. Uh huh. Right, like that's kind of the definition of rogue. Do, do gamma ray bursts travel at the speed of light? 
Oh, I don't know about Gamma Ray Burst. Would you like me to call Neil deGrasse Tyson and we can get him on the line <laughs> and we can ask him? I mean, he is my favorite personal astrophysicist. He's my friendly neighborhood one as well. He lives in New York, sir. Oh, Go to Spider-Man, your friendly neighborhood other thing. I suddenly feel how Tilly felt when she was in the shuttle and trying to get people to uh, cooperate and, and talk and everyone just like went dead silent. <laughs> Why is that? I I just I I'm just I'm empathetic with her. I just you know, <laughs> it wasn't awkward. It was just cold. Interesting fact. First of all, a relative of mine works at a funeral home. Okay, that is an interesting fact. <laughs> I'll take more context See, now. That that's context for what the interesting fact. The funeral home has to glue shut the eyelids to keep the eyes closed after death but almost every movie or tv show with a death scene in it where they close the eyes the eyes stay closed not even peeking out a little bit except for like naked gun possibly i don't remember that movie too much i don't either but it seems a very naked gun sort of joke okay i feel like that could possibly have happened it, it does <laughs> seem very very naked gun and uh leslie nielsen all those those kinds of guys okay the uh crimson What's it? Was uh, that was the the gang that um... Crimson Force Field? Oh no, it's the Crimson Force Field. Remember the pack lads out of Samaritan's? Oh no, uh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, and then I forgot they redid a resurgence of it. Did they do research? Did they bring it back up again in Lower Decks? Yeah, I think they. I think they did. Yeah, this. Was, I'm sorry, the Emerald um... City. No, the thing, the, the Tellerite, not. Tellerite. Oh, the Emerald Chain. Yeah, the Emerald Chain. That was the yes, the Emerald Chain. That was the gang that uh, what's her face headed up in season three, right? So there was a loop, right? And you were supposed to hand it to me, but instead you threw it at me. Sorry. I, I feel thrown for a loop. Oh, okay. What now? Tilly asks the or de demands now that everybody introduce themselves a little bit to the entire group so that sure. they get to know each other a little bit. Yes. Uh -huh. Her version of an icebreaker. Okay. They get to what I'm going to call a teller, right? It's not, uh, but okay. Continue. <laughs> and I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Welcome to NPR. There's a lot of <laughs> silence, but there's lots of information also. You just have to listen to the quiet just for a Ta while. Taz Gory. Gore? Go oh, Gorev. It's Are you using English words and sentences this <laughs> That's episode? That's his name. T-A-A-H-Z is his first name. The Tellerite, not Tellerite. That's his okay. first name. Yes. And what about him? He's talking about the Crimson Chain. The, or the Emerald, Emerald chain. chain, yes. And he glares at the Orion. Yes. And he all he says is that they were behind uh -huh. the Emerald. They were in the influence of the Emerald Chain. They were in Emerald Chain territory. They were behind mm -hmm. the lines when the Emerald Chain took over. Yes. Yeah. Was the Emerald Chain the gang that the female Orion from season three was the head? Oh, Emerald Chain. Yes. You're talking about, uh, I want to call her Zora, Zara, or Z what's her name? Osira, right? Osiris. Yeah, yes. Osiris. Yes. The Emerald Chain was the organization. Yeah. Yes. The, the yes. That's what we were talking ma about. Mafia. Yes. Okay. That's, All right. Uh, the thing is. Yeah. His family was caught in the Emerald Chain territory after the burn. Yeah. So what? They're not missing anything. It's been 150 years since the burn. Okay. It's not like him or his grand or his grandparents. His grandparents probably weren't alive. There was grandparents might be alive, might have been alive back then, but he would have grown up in the Emerald Chain, so it wouldn't be like he would have known anything different. Yeah. Like it's as if he's blaming them for something that happened for a time to him. You know, like. We were fine, and then the Emerald Chain took over, and then we weren't fine anymore. And now the Emerald Chain is gone, and we're fine again. Is the sense I get off of what he's saying? But what he's saying should be like more visceral, considering what it was. He's also just not the most cooperative cadet in the first place. So he's just doing what he's told to do, but to the minimum extent of what she's asked for. Okay. But we don't know for sure that these are Tellerites. We don't know for sure that they're not Tellerites. Do you remember what people were saying about uh, Tuvok when he first got introduced? 
What were they saying? How can there be a black black Vulcan? There's Why would there not be a black Vulcan? Vulcan? It's a desert planet. All I'm saying is that he looks a lot like a Tellarite to me. There could be some variation in some of their appearance depending on what part of the planet they're from initially. Oh, I don't think they look like biologically anything like the... I think the Tellarites look like pigs. He looks like a pig. He's got a turnip nose and he's got his tusks. Oh, he doesn't look like a pig to me. I think that's what it is. I don't think he looks like a pig to me. I, I, I get more canine off of him. But I could be wrong. Canine. Okay. Yeah. I see the tusks and I say pig or elephant. Funny thing, I just looked up Taj Gorev mm -hmm. and it says that he's a Tellarite. So I sit corrected. Sorry. And what are you apologizing for? I have no idea. We don't know how long these people live for, though. Tellarites? Yeah. Mm, okay, we don't. I mean, he's a cadet, though. Yeah, but if Garrick had joined Starfleet at the time that he allegedly applied back in DS9, he would have been a fully grown 30-something-year-old male. I'm sorry, uh, who? Garrick from DS9. Garrick, the Cardassian who joined Starfleet when he was okay. When he he was asking to be sponsored to join Starfleet. Who? And it was a time when Garrick was practicing his lying. Oh, he was. He was asking for sponsorship. To, oh, he. I think. I thought. I think he was kidding. He he. It was a fake. Yeah, he was practicing lying. Oh, okay. So he was lying by saying, "I want to join Starfleet. Will you help me get into Starfleet and, and sponsor me?" I think he's talking to Worf. I do remember this. Yeah, I think that okay. the context made it something other than. I think I perceived it differently than as you're describing it, but it was that. That's what it was. Yeah. So if he had actually been serious and Worf had sponsored him, and if he had joined Starfleet at, at the academy, he would have been however old Garrick was, as you know, looking like a thirty-something-year-old human joining starfleet okay so you're just because they're cadets we don't know how old all these cadets oh are. okay i got you you could have just said that <laughs> so is there some sort of symbolism going on with michael burnham always looking up at saru so i thought of that myself as well i wondered what that was about or whether it, you know it's just a happenstance because of his height or i mean they could have built that in as in you know she's always looking up to him maybe i think maybe they're in a mutual look up to situation burnham is calling the vulcans on their fear or yep. the the Nava what are we called now are we navar are we N Navarians? Navarans? N never, <laughs> never people. What? Uh, <laughs> Neverland? Um, never. If the Romulans have admitted that they're part of the same species, then they're Vulcans. That's a very good point. They are Vulcans. Okay, so they're all Vulcans from the planet Vulcan, and some of them are Romulans. <laughs> We're all humans, are we not? Yes, yes, we are all humans. But some, some of us identify as humans from a certain continent, others identify as humans from a, another continent. Oh, okay. So you're saying everyone's black? No. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> sure. Well, you you have European humans. You have above the Arctic Circle humans. You have yeah, African humans. But we're all human. But I'm just getting at you know the cradle of life. Yeah. Africa. So everyone's black. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. So yeah, we're all humans. They're all Vulcans. They're all Romulan Americans. Or, Rom or, or Romulan Vulcans. So wait, are Laris and Jovan, are they Romulan French people? Boy, they never use deodorant. <laughs> so wait, so when Laris is on the planet Earth... This episode sponsored by Lulu. What uh, deodorant do you think she uses? Is this a setup for a joke? It is. Okay. She uses secret. She's, she's a Romulan... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was that mildly species? Tough crowd. Well, no, their 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 society was based on secrecy. It's just a fact. Okay. Sure. So here's a couple things. Michael Burnham pointed out that Cardassia waged war on Bajor. Not to yeah. prove my point, but to prove my point once again mm -hmm. that Cardassia waged war on Bajor. It was not a war they waged with one another. It was one on the other because those pesky wormhole aliens had their knees on Bajor's neck for a while. 
Okay. So I also wonder if in suggesting that she be some sort of go-between, under whose auspices does she work in that capacity, or does she work under her own auspices, thus recreating a Section 31 structure? where they work outside of either. Well, I don't think that's uh, quite a Section 31 structure. By which I mean one that doesn't isn't overseen by anyone. Well, that's the point, is she's a non-biased observer. She's a, a mediator, if you will. So she has her feet on both sides of the line. Okay. She responds to both. From, I guess she would have to. She would have like, she has yeah. oversight yeah, yeah, both, yeah. of both sides. Just to listen to both sides. And she has to take both sides into consideration. Basically, she has dual citizenship. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can carry an American and a Canadian passport. She can she can grow weed and bring it into the country. <laughs> Moving on from the political scene, we have a, uh, a little bit of uh, Adira and Tilly on a nature walk. Okay. This Tellerite, not Tellerite, is an asshole. I did look it up, and it did turn out that he was a Tellerite. Oh, okay. If you recall. Sorry. I just feel like, I guess a redefinition of some species might not be such a bad thing. Uh, he's, you mean he's like they do the Klingons that everybody yeah. hated at the beginning of the series? Yeah. The only aliens that we haven't really changed much are the humans. They, they pretty much yeah. stay the same. <laughs> Even when they have, you know, a worm in their belly. That's taking up three quarters of their body cavity. So a couple things about the scene where uh, Book is trying to do an exercise that Dr. Culper has suggested. Yes, the Glacialum Quay, I guess. Yeah. One of the things I haven't been able to figure out yet in the series at all, oh. since we've been introduced in, 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 to Book, okay. is, is Quajam one of the unnamed Federation members that are the hundreds or thousands of members that are just vaguely mentioned all the time? So when did they join the Federation? Did the Discovery know about Quajon before they left, or did they only find about they join the Federation in the meantime in the years that they've missed? Uh, it is my belief that we didn't know about Quajon like during any of the other incarnations of Star Trek. I think they joined during the time that Discovery was jumping through time. So in the 930 some odd years, interim sure or yeah. even after picard the quajon was a pre-warp civilization until the burn wait until the burn yeah oh the burn caused a shift in the planet's moon uh-huh in, in the one of the planet's moon and changed the tides and that's why all the locusts were floating around in in the atmosphere all the time locusts yeah, there oh, was a whole yeah. thing they had to clear, clear the locusts. So. Yeah, okay. It seems like they're within Federation space. Oh, okay. I don't think that's really been clear to me, actually. Uh -huh. I think it's rare that we do three stories at once on Star mm -hmm. Trek yeah. uh, Discovery, but there are definitely three stories happening here. <laughs> There's sort of three and a half. Because if you think about it, Saru has his mission to talk to the Vulcan president. Yes. And Michael has her mission to talk to the Federation. Oh, got you. Sure, sure. Those are kind of two different story arcs, but they're kind of blended together. They they are different. Okay, so because Rillick, okay, so uh, if you were, so we're pairing Rillick with Burnham and uh, Tarina with Saru, and those are completely different like types of relationships, mm -hmm. especially now that I, that I think that those planetary leaders are <laughs> mixing genes together or something. <laughs> Jeans, as opposed to uh, dockers or yeah, or drawers. What sort of power do you think Burnham gains? Because uh, it sounds like a lot of responsibility to be this liaison to Vulcan, to the Federation, and to the Federation to Vulcan. So, do you think that she has some sort of expanded powers? I don't think she has political power. Okay, I think she's just the head of a committee that is supposed to check up on the Federation members and making sure that their needs are met. Yeah, as you develop friendships between the heads of the governments, right. yeah, they're going to develop some sort of sway with those people. But she's going to have a lot of political clout, I think. Okay. Because she will work with so many people, so many, you know, world leaders. Yeah. She's like Greta Thunberg. Who? Greta Thunberg, you know, the, the, the young woman who was a big voice against climate change like just around the time that the pandemic came in and changed the world anyway mm. no don't remember i mostly fo focus on future news events 
Okay. That's you, yeah. <laughs> true. Great. True. I understand. Not, yeah, not me too. Right. Right. Because who wants to use a phaser like a sword if it won't stop firing? <laughs> Are you making? Wait. What? What? Who happened? Okay. The flower is a is a metaphor for life. Oh, the mandala. I apparently. And then he starts to complain how this is you're, you're trying to mimic my healing ritual for my planet and this will never this isn't this can't be this isn't the same and he and, and i think culper's kind of trying to make the point that things are never going to be the same again you know you'll never be able to feel the release of quaithalam quay yeah yeah you're you're better reproducing these uh new words than than I am or remember I let on to them very quickly sometimes I forget them though I have to admit but I, the ones that I <laughs> enjoy like yeah. to, like to latch on to them you know he, he's kind of making a point I mean yeah it's a sharp jab that that Booker is making about uh oh you just read this in your holopad yeah that kind of fell flat for me like I felt like where they were where the writing was leading that leading that and like for him to have that sort of emotion but that sort of emotion didn't feel real to me like I don't think that that book would be resentful that I mean he's sitting in the counselor's office for a reason yeah <laughs> you know like no one's I don't think anyone's forcing him to be there well I mean he's being strongly encouraged by Michael though that's not forcing though that's like if you're gonna like you just gotta go in and like just you know go through the motions at least you know so I didn't really mm -hmm. feel that when he sort of came off like that it just i felt it more of like a like a frustration not like a, you're being a jerk stop trying to do shit to trick me there's not very many people on the planet that have say lost their whole family all at once their entire planet or well there's been no no nobody that we know of on our planet who has lost their entire planet this is true this is true i haven't met any people yet who have lost their entire planet. So, so to kind of comprehend what kind of level of grief that they are at and where they would be at and how angry they would be. There's a thing about numbers um, that, you know, is for people like the, like as the numbers, for instance, and in, in the year of our Lord that we don't speak of, um, some, some like death numbers started rising. And once they rose to a certain level, mm -hmm. it felt like I was more able to take it in stride, uh -huh. the larger the numbers were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a, a bad thing or like a, just a lack of ability to even comprehend yeah. what that means. Like it's hard to, for example, imagine the difference between like I could like picturing a million dollars sitting on the floor and then picturing a billion dollars sitting in a room. And I think I've mentioned this before, but Kyle Hill has a video on about that that describes exactly what you're talking about. Sure. And that's one of the things that the virus had to its favor is the un incomprehension of the numbers of people ill and the numbers of people dying. It can kind of also be the same thing in uh, just watching war results on a TV, you know, or battle results on, on TV. Sure. Or even being years separated from the destruction of an entire city. Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's one of the fears that I think people bring up is the fact that as we get further away from the last time or the only time that we've used nuclear weapons in aggression, the more distant it will be for, you know, the person who actually has to push the button next time, if sure. there is ever a next time. Yeah. And that's one thing I was thinking of about with Booker here is people of a certain age in, say, Nagasaki will never be able to walk down the street again without seeing those shadows that are burned into the wall. Huh. And people will grow up knowing, never having, you know, what what is that? That's a creepy shadow on the, you know, bridge there. You can't clean that off. The shadows of the ghosts of the dead right. that were scorched into the pavement mm -hmm. of during the, the explosion. Yeah. And, and they will never be able to experience the that view out of a particular angle in a pristine setting again. Right. Th those scars will never go away. Sure. Does that connection to Booker make sense? Um, There's a grief there that will never go away. Things will never be the same. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it's a matter of, of change. I mean, it's a matter of a change of life, but also it was my understanding that he hadn't 
prior to Discovery been home for a while, and he was just reconnecting. So that I can see, I could feel that that would might be even further devastating because now it's like, well, now I wasted all the time that I could have had. Oh yeah. Like if I had known this was going to happen, I would never have left and done the, the, anything. So I'm sure it's even more. Yeah. For him, reach out and try and rekindle lost friendships and relationships and just as you do the person passes away yeah so this episode is brought to you by happy things <laughs> are these her private quarters or just a special chamber set aside for her i think this is her office just her office okay sure i always check the decor everywhere we go uh-huh. and even spartan minimalistic vulcans have you know something in their space yeah. she has floor lamps that are like those japanese paper lamps this you yeah. see there like on the left but it's like a twist i think i've seen those at ikea before there's a light on the wall behind her that's actually upside down i've seen it for sale before uh-huh and they've just presented it upside down it gives it a very alien feel uh-huh it's a it's a like an orange and spotted wall sconce I think they wanted to put more uh, long-term and deep political intrigue into this episode, and I think that uh, they didn't quite land the mark. I think they got something started. Oh, yeah, they definitely got something started. But... So they are meditating together. Yeah. I've never known anybody to meditate together. This is a parent teaching a child how to start meditating. So this is not quite as intimate as, say, teaching a another single adult i like how she calls him out on it she's like i totally know i don't know how i know but she knows but she i totally know your eyes open back up she's also amused and not bothered but yes it is this scene right here that makes me think they are this is like vulcan sex yeah but this particular technique is a technique that you use to teach children how to meditate so it's, it's a lot more innocent than i think you think it is sex itself can be innocent to be fair they never actually touch in the long side and long shot of them they did look like their hands were together but i know the idea was that they are not part of the reason that they don't touch is because Vulcans are only telepathic, they're, they're touch telepaths, so they have to be in physical contact, Sure. supposedly. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of times when Spock isn't in physical contact, but they have to be in physical contact in order to be te- telepathically linked. Right. And therefore, it's not as intimate as if they had actually touched, which is why Vulcans don't like handshakes. Sure. Which is why we we use the Vulcan Jewish blessing. <laughs> so do you think that also, uh, so supposing, so at some point in the past on Vulcan, when Sorak came up on the planet Vulcan and uh, the, started teaching logic, etc., do you think that there were people who followed him as like a messiah figure and then people who were like, no, they don't believe that the messiah is there yet? I would imagine that would be partly where the, some of the Romulans came from. Oh, so the okay, so the Romulans are like oh, and they were they were cast into the wilderness, right? I wonder if the Romulans who have returned feel like their God's chosen people returned to uh, to take um, ownership of their world. Like are there like are there are there like fanatic Romulans, fanatic Vulcans, who have these like strong beliefs that are tied to their uh, shared past? Sure. <laughs> Is this sure? What well, I'm not sure what you want me to say. Oh, I don't. It doesn't matter what 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 you say. What what you're saying makes complete and total sense. Oh, okay. I know you. I know where you're going with it, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure how to. Like uh, yeah, yeah, Jack. But what's the point? No. Why I, are you bringing that up now? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just making a joke. I know. I okay. I have to also admit that with the three plots going on, that somehow the Tilly part of the episode is the least compelling for me. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why that is because it seems very exciting. The characters are, you know, the, the new characters they introduce are interesting. Yeah. It may be that the plot of that seems hokey. It's just your standard Starfleet adventure. Yeah. This should have been done on, as a tabletop game. <laughs> you know, like not as a, a plot line of an episode. I, I wonder if they were trying to say, okay, well, we have these two mellow plots with the political intrigue and the therapy going on. How can we spice it up to keep people awake? <laughs> sure. And keep people interested for the people that don't like those kinds of uh, plot points. So we're like, okay, well, let's just add in some Q. Oh, wait, no, we don't have Q yet. Oh, um, 
Right. Let's add in some uh, ice crabs. Yes, ice crabs. Let's do stone monsters that swim through ice. <laughs> glaciers. Although, that brought up a question. Yes, what question was that? Once they were past the glacier, and they were on top of the mountain that was all rock, you would figure that that would be a barrier that the, these ice crabs couldn't get past. They can clearly travel above ground, right? Well, yeah. So I, I don't see how they wouldn't just come out of the... I don't understand how they travel. I don't understand what the ground is made of, I guess. Maybe it's not water ice? I feel like parts that they walked across were also swum through by the creature. I don't know what that implies. Is it like diamond diamond hard skin because it's not super soft snow i mean if it was not water ice it would go a long way to explaining why adira's legs were able to be encased in it too plus in that scene when adira's legs got encased in it they definitely appeared as if the ice was growing and moving and sure i think it's parasitic ice like we had in the uh second episode of season three okay that's what i was wondering and I wasn't sure how to bring it up. Well, you just did. Congratulations, Earl Grey brought up a thing. <laughs> you mentioned earlier when Michael and the Federation president were talking about her dual or tr triple, I'm not sure if she's part human in there as well, but her heritage and you know how the Cardassia and w was at war with uh, Bajor and stuff. Yes. We're talking about President Rillick, right? I think so. The president, right, of the Federation? The Federation president, yes. Yeah, there we go. Rillick is her name. Okay. It made me wonder. I mean, e eventually, probably, Bajor joined the Federation because that was the whole point of DS9. Did Bajor not join the Federation at the end of Deep Space Nine? They didn't. They opted out. Huh. Because they were ready to let them join, and then Kai Wynn was all like, yeah, no, we're not going to accept your invitation right now. Okay. We have more development we need to do on our own. I have read a season eight and a season nine <laughs> of episodes past the finale, so sometimes I forget where we left off politically in this show because the story has continued to grow and mm -hmm. expand for me. I'm going to highly recommend all those novels too, by the way, okay. to anyone within the sound of my voice who enjoyed Deep Space Nine yeah. and, and, and loves the elements of it that are in Discovery. Please continue. Okay. So, but then it also opened the question for me is, did Cardassia ever join the Federation? Uh, that's the question, right? Yeah. Like I would, I would imagine that the implication is that they did. Yeah. But it's not necessarily certain. To us today, it almost seems like it might have been for our, the generation before us to figure out that the Klingons had joined the Federation, or at least had a more peaceful alliance. True. True. I never did figure out if the Klingons actually joined the Federation or if they were just had a more peaceful alliance. So they had a peace treaty. Okay. Uh, which was the Kinemur Accords. So as long as no one violated the peace treaty, then nobody would go to war. Okay. Right. And they sort of like worked together officially and unofficially on things, but I don't think they I don't think they created anything. Like I don't think they built built stations with us or, you know, anything like that. Okay. Except for in fan fiction, you know, because I'm sure that there were fan fiction uh, joint Klingon Federation ventures. Oh, okay. I like how the first thing that Tilly says during this argument, where they just freed Adira from the ice, and they're arguing about you know the common grounds and stuff, and the Tellarite has said all this terrible stuff about what the Ryans did to his family. The first words out of Tilly's mouth are, "I hear you," but you got to realize that there's a deeper level here with the Orion too. He's not just an Orion. He has a past that is significant that might be a little bit more effective, more, a little bit more meaningful to you than you realize. Right. And he's not willing to say it though, but Adira comes out and says it. I mean, she kind of is breaching his privacy, but at the same time, it's like this needs to be said to help foster understanding and unity in this team you know the, the orion's father was somebody who rose up against the em emerald chain now why didn't we hear it out of the orion's own mouth i was curious about M maybe they were paying the actor by the word 
Ah, that's true. That's a very good point. Yes, Earl Grey solved a puzzle. Is this the game of the name of the show? It's probably exactly true. Thank you for that. Like, why? Like, she? Why is she telling his story? She don't even know this man. She's out. She's out here telling stories. Adira might not know his story, but Tall apparently knows his story. I think no. I think Adira looked up the the guy everyone's service records. That's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I I don't think Tall had cross paths with uh, many of many people from the uh, Emerald Chain. Oh, I remember we used to call it the Orion Syndicate, right? But then in the future we joined the end we joined the Andorians to it and called it the Emerald Chain. Okay. Because and isn't Andor on that on that side of the political arena? Well, there's no that there no that that side is not that side anymore. So if all if Andor was part of the Emerald Chain and the Emerald Chain, did they disband and join the Federation? Basically, like is that what's happened? Because remember, at the end of season three, Osira was had drafted a peace treaty. Well, Andor would have had to left the Federation to join the chain because Andor was already a part of the Federation. They did withdraw from the Federation. I I feel like I oh. This might be novels again. <laughs> yeah, in in a novel, they 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 left the Federation. What 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 a novel idea! Yeah, I <laughs> the the post series novels have completely tainted the the storylines of Star Trek for me because they have so many so many intricate and interesting things happening, so many twists and turns. And, and that's why they're beta canon, uh, alpha canon. Yeah, this is all true. Because some things contradict what happens in the show. Yes, eventually some things do contradict. A lot of it doesn't, but eventually things do. What disappointingly uh, did not come true that happened in the comics was that Data became a, Data came back through before somehow and then became a captain of what, the Enterprise? I don't know, for, I haven't read the comics. No, okay. That's Sorry. okay. That's okay. This is not a show about comics. Were we talking about Star Trek Discovery today? Yes, we are. All is possible, yeah. <laughs> except for us to keep on keep on uh, keep on ta- on topic. Now, to keep on talk- topic, we are at the point where Michael is offering herself to be the committee leader of the committee that she just proposed. Sure, they'll have to give it a name. But I, I was wondering how how is Michael neutral in all of this because. She is a Starfleet. Well, yeah. Yeah, she's a Starfleet. She's definitely a Starfleet. She is in Starfleet, and isn't she the definition, or by definition, a part of the Federation government? Yeah, man. Like that—that that was my confusion. Okay. In our, in our, in our like a couple of segments ago, I think that she has three jobs at least. Okay. Right? One, one is to be a liaison to the Federation. Yeah. From its member worlds. Yeah. One is to be a liaison from the Federation to Vulcan. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the captaincy of the Starship Discovery. Yeah. She may need to step down and just hang out in her quarters for a little while and have Saru <laughs> leading the ship around because she's going to be really exhausted because the Vulcans are very persnickety. I have a friend who has three jobs. He's the head of a where he, he's a part of a, a board um, and he works uh, IT in an, another position and he in, in that same position he works has a third position so I mean it's not impossible for Michael to keep everything separate uh, that is when that is when I say touche my friend <laughs> touche well, that... what? I'm not talking about Jack you Jack I, I'm talking about oh Michael. I know I'm just saying I, I think I know who you're talking about and he helps produce our show he produces our show and uh, you are correct and and you even left off the yeah exactly you left off the job where he does the the show production that's interesting (laughs) i guess it's doable another question that i bought that is just a casual thing the the only one why isn't the tellerite wearing a hood everybody else is all bundled up and cold dude they keep doing this with aliens with atypical shaped heads yeah they keep not giving them helmets it really bothers me it's like screw you guys i'm not making a helmet big enough for you you're gonna have to. You guys have to not have a helmet. We're gonna design our our clothing for human heads, and if you have no. a human shaped head, then you're fine. You're good. But if you're not, don't have a human shaped. If you have a larger head, then we're not gonna make a hood. You got yeah. a big old bug ass shaped head. Stay in the ship. Yeah. So what is this starship that we're seeing here? We all all we can see is the NCC, but we can't see. We just saw the saucer section. It looked like it had a dual, a ring and a saucer saucer section. 
Uh, like, was that the same one at the beginning from from the beginning like, of the uh, the episode? It was the uh, what was it called? The Credence. I don't remember. I maybe. Okay. Fun fact. I like facts that are fun. The the person that rescues them identifies themselves as Captain Imahara, and they yes. are named after Grant Imahara of the among other things Mythbusters fame. Oh, what now? The captain of the USS Armstrong uh-huh. is a woman. Yes. They are Captain Imahara. Okay. And they are indeed named after Grant Imahara from Mythbusters. Got you. Interesting. That's 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 super interesting. Why yeah. do you know that? <laughs> because the name sounded familiar. Ah, and I realized yeah. that just as I thought about looking it up and I wanted to confirm that it was indeed that they did actually name them after that they didn't just randomly pick a name out of a hat and i looked it up <laughs> well good on you i have a question okay who is this guy who's the man in black why does he keep popping up he's like this cage man, man black, from X -Files. Guy? Well, yeah who is that guy? doctor something or other yeah but who, who the hell is he what does he do like what's his job well he's a cigarette smoking man we haven't figured that out exactly yet. he's cancer man like how he just like walks around giving people like random advice and sounding like an authority figure i still yeah. don't know who he is have they really not told us who he is well yet? i think they're implying in this episode that he's the head of starfleet academy so what was he doing out there with undiscovered what what i see i originally thought that maybe he was secretly the federation president uh-huh but we've um, discovered who the federation president is right now. her and her red sash or i mean unless it, it is a secret so the actual figurehead is is that do you think she has that red sash sewn into the shoulder and forearm and upper arm of every garment that she wears? Is that like a presidential <laughs> thing that she wears all the time? Well, it could always just slip underneath. Maybe the silver part is held down by snaps or Velcro. Oh, sure. Oh, she could just Velcro it off and Velcro it right onto the next next piece. Or maybe the sash comes apart. And... Right, that's good. How many of those do you think she has hanging in her closet? Do you really even need... Do you need more than like one set of clothes? Do you just like dereplicate them at the end of the day and replicate some new ones? Yeah, and then then you yeah, mm. you're just brand new and clean. Yeah, well, that's great. You don't need to take more resources and have a closet full of clothing. You just need one uniform. Yeah, but there were some people definitely on the next generation and Deep Space Nine who had like a closet full of uniforms. Um. Yeah. Like they open the door and it's like, oh, you got three uniforms in there. Like just in case what, you get dirty and you don't have time to replicate a new one? They primarily only use replicators for food. I mean, and then people still seem to have an attachment to having things. Like people put things on their shelves behind them. They do. Models of starships. So people still, you know, and, and people still have bags and carry-ons and luggage that are, you know, and crusher pulled stuff out of storage she kept jack's uniform yeah and picard keeps stuff in a transporter buffer <laughs> like i think that's what that was supposed to be <laughs> okay i don't remember what you're talking about but okay. uh, oh there's a show that we haven't seen yet oh. that we haven't discussed yet rather i don't, uh -huh. I don't know if you heard of it i think it's called star trek picard i which, figured uh, that we were talking about yeah, that. yeah. Wouldn't it be neat if we could get to season, get season one of Picard out before, uh, before season, season two out. came out? Wouldn't that be neat? Yeah. Or finished anyway? Man, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, they're at a breakneck pace, and we're we're trudging along. So is Mary Wiseman leaving the show? Uh, Holmes, I don't understand what happened at the end of this episode, and where this turn came from. I knew there was something going on just because, like, I've all season so far, just because she seemed so different and subdued and she wasn't like standing on the bridge pointing her middle finger up and going fuck you know like she was just like kind of like down i was like is she does she have an attitude She's problem been down for a couple of episodes that's what i'm getting at we're on episode four where did all this come from i don't know i don't know yeah she said it was about her mom she said I, I don't know. She was heading to the captaincy and then she was like oh i only wanted to be captain for my mom what I don't understand where any of that came from. Well, she kind of did. I mean, she, in that one scene a few seasons ago, she's, you know, talking to the hologram of her mom. And then there's another scene later on where she, uh, 
is talking to her mom and she's like, I want to enter the command uh, course or whatever. And sure. she's like, it's a course for heading for command. And it's almost like her whole life has been about giving a big middle birdie finger to her mom and doing what she wanted to do just just, just to show up her mom because she knew her mom want, wanted her to be a diplomat. But then she found out she didn't know what she wants to do? Yeah. Like, what, why am I really doing this? What, what, what am I here for? Is this really what I want to do with my life? Did I, am I just doing this because I wanted to piss off my mom? Do you think Tilly would make a good diplomat? Like, do you think that, like, could you see us in like three years picking her up back up on discovery as like, uh, and I'm like a permanent ambassador attached to the ship <laughs> that goes and does like all the first contact missions? I don't know. I think she'd be a badass mirror universe captain yeah i want to see her back in her uh bdsm fetish where oh yeah what if she just like she she just like has decided she's done with this universe and she pops uses the spore drive sneaks back on discovery through their open back door and then (laughs) sneaks into the spore spore chamber and like pops back over to the mirror universe and then kills her counterpart and stays there did she have a counterpart i thought she was already dead who killy killy yeah yeah yeah, I Kelly's... thought Kelly was already dead, and that Kelly Tilly replaced Kelly. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, the whole discovery, both discoveries switched places. Yeah, she would have to go into the past as well then, and then avoid getting killed twice <laughs> because <laughs> once they got killed uh, by Giorgio. Tilly do- totally does the uh, see no evil when uh, Michael mentions that she snored and that it bothered her, and she had to have the computer cancel out the frequency that she totally recorded it and started playing it in her sure. that orb on Tilly's desk yes is that a model of uh, Jupiter I'm not sure oh I don't know what that is it's a um, it's a very different scene this is than our our first scene with Tilly and Burnham uh-huh. number one they would never have sat on the same bed why not well, don't you remember when Burnham first got there and she was like laying all stiff on yeah. on that bed and well wait or maybe the camera's just pointing at it no the the entry door is on their left so facing this way isn't this supposed to be michael i mean she could have spread out if she wanted but that's where michael's old it's michael's bed. bed i know i know I was, I was noticing that as well yes they're on michael's bed uh-huh because she was on the other bed originally and had to get up and go, go over by the window so uh, did Tilly move over to Michael's bed when Michael left, do you think? Why, well, when Michael got promoted, why didn't Tilly gain another roommate? Who's to say she didn't? On the other hand, I mean, if they ha- still have their full crew and they didn't pick up any new crew in the 32nd century, huh. then maybe they just don't huh. need to use the extra space. Uh, I wonder if they do have any new crew because we've lost some crew members along the way, right? I think so. so be nice to have one or two new crew members from the 31st century yeah they drag out this uh goodbye oh i mean it's a good scene like we started out with burnham and tilly kind of like you know in the same place and becoming friends and like she was their best friend yeah yeah so i get the the long scene one of the things i couldn't figure out at the end here though is when Tilly gets in the shuttle. Yes. And she's flying away. What's this planet that they're orbiting? Because in the shuttle, she warps away. Yes. But they she was just at Starfleet Academy Head. Right. I know. Why is she I'm warping so away? Confused Where is she too. going? Also, that's why Adira was looking up out the window like, I got that bitch on an autopilot to nowhere. <laughs> like, I didn't even understand why we, why we suddenly saw Adira out of nowhere <laughs> except it, it reminded me of seven leaving and i mean seven coming and Kess leaving well i mean adira has been on the show for a little while absolutely a hundred percent definitely her second season although i mean i guess they're bringing gray on right so could we not afford tilly anymore to have gray <laughs> because we had to bring maybe, a new maybe maybe gray's mullet cost too much it could be that thousand dollar haircut because you can't find a barber who's going to actually do it 
who's not gonna be like, are you sure? Because you know, it, he gets Gray has the same hair as like Jake and Pug, or one of the Avatar aliens, or a horse. I'm Mr. Red. Not there's anything wrong with horses. Joe, Joe Dirt, you mean? Are they smiling at each other? Was Tilly was Tilly smiling at? It? Are they smiling well, at each other? I'm, I don't I'm think so, they can see each other. Why exact? Why was why was Adira's <laughs> face suddenly there? Why were they looking up like that? <laughs> I'm so yeah. Where was Adira looking up out of the window and Tilly was looking down into the window on the same side? Well, they wouldn't have known that each other was looking at each other. Oh, Tilly's smiling, looking at Discovery, <laughs> and was. Adira's. Oh, they are looking at each other, basically. Sort of. They don't know that each other's are looking at each other though uh, maybe they do maybe Tilly knows exactly where to look unless they uh, coordinated and said okay at this time fr frame yeah. I mean everybody knows Tilly's leaving I'm gonna be looking at the discovery and smiling you look up at me and smile and we will know in each other's hearts that we'll, we'll never forget each other <laughs> exactly exactly we're smiling at each that's other that's what they did Tilly and Adira are permanent soulmates now is that what women talk about when they're going to the restroom together? They just go and they say, okay, well, you, you look at this plane and it's just taking off. and <laughs> That'll be me. And I'm looking down at you and I'm smiling at you. Oh, take the last train to Clarksville. Uh, <laughs> a... I love this rendition of the closing theme. The end credit theme. Do you ever listen to it? I do. I do. There's a couple different versions of it that I've heard. This sort of a pensive sounding one that I that I enjoy. Okay. I've I've been sitting here rewinding the final couple seconds several times. Yeah. Because I wanted to, you know, see the beam away. Uh, she also took the Federation Starbase's shuttle, the you know the main headquarters shuttle. I wonder if she's going to bring it back. So that's <laughs> now two shuttles. She's cost them in the. Uh, oh yes, I do like this one, this theme song. Yeah. In the space of one episode, she's cost them two shuttles. I can't find it. I can't find it to listen to it outside of this episode though. Amazon Music has it. Do they? They do. They have the season soundtracks. Whenever I ask for the end credit theme of Discovery, it gives me the regular open credit at the end. So it's the regular type of music. It's not this whole happy, melodramatic, violin stuff. It's just the regular full orchestra. Understood. Maybe you can give me a link to it. There was something else I thought I was going to say. All right, so this is this is the part, ladies and gentlemen, where we start fumbling the ball. <laughs> Look, we finally did it after 25 days of recording. I think we've reached the end of this episode. <laughs> 25 days of recording. Yeah, 25 That's days not on fair. The 25th day of episode 30 or whatever episode it is. <laughs> episode is 28 something, 62. Uh, I'm gonna give this episode a seven because I'm upset seven? about. I'm upset about Tilly. But I'm gonna, also going to give it a seven because it makes me think of seven of nine coming and Kess leaving. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I did a little bit of sneaky, sneaky looking ahead and okay. no. Spoilers. 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 Mary Wiseman is not leaving the show to answer our question. Uh, there will be more of Mary Wiseman. Who said I wanted you to spoil that for me? I'm sorry. Is that a spoiler? It it's, it's definitely a spoiler. It's definitely a spoiler. You've already seen the next episodes. Mm, what are you talking about? You haven't seen episode five yet. Or six. Uh, I haven't seen any episodes that have Tilly in them. Okay. That's what I'll say. Okay. Well, my bad. No, you're good. It's fine. Delete this I really comment don't from your memory. It's okay. No, I can hear you. Hey, what's the what's the next episode called? Do you know? I was rewinding to listen to the music. <laughs> Lord God Almighty. Well, let me tell you. The next episode of Star Trek Discovery is called The Examples. Yes, I remember. And, and yes. Earl Grey and I will be back in... Next year. In, in an upcoming episode <laughs> of our show to discuss yes. Season 4, Episode 5 of Star Trek Discovery. It's called the examples see you next time what, guys what are they making examples oh, of? I don't know man of people they're making examples to... of people they're making <laughs> examples out of people you don't have the summary in front of you oh, it's they listen they All right, the, the, the DMA happens to be coming near a colony that used to be part of the Emerald Chain 
uh, Discovery's got to see if they can rescue all them people off the colony, you know, just in case DMA comes nearby. Some people won't leave. Some people are trying to keep some people there. It's a pickle. We'll talk about it next time. Yep. All right. Friends, uh, stay positive. Dream big. And you'll hear from us again soon. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.